Alhamdulillah, nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi. Na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati a'malina. Man yahdihillahu khalamudillala wa man yuladhu khalamudillala. Wa nashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahdahu la sharika lah. Wa nashadu anna sayyidina muhammadan abduhu wa rasulun amma'ma. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka nasidina wa sallamina wa shafiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa zhariyatihi wa jmeen. Alhamdulillah, we find ourselves again in the blessed month of Zul-Hijjah where already many hundreds of thousands of Hujjaj have reached Haram-Hin Shurifin and many hundreds and thousands of more on their way for this noble special gathering of Hajj. There were a few people who we were fortunate enough to meet this morning who were departing for Hajj today. And we sat with them and we shared some advice with them. And we reflected later that this advice may be shared with others as well. Even for those of us like me and likely the majority of our listeners who may not be coming this year, Many times, you know, we have this ideal understanding of Hajj or even Ramadan or even Umrah or sitting in Itikaf or taking a Sheikh or learning Ilm or becoming an Alim about any such thing in Deen that somehow that one single thing will transform us entirely and completely. And that is a very good niya and intention to make. And it's a very good wish and aspiration to have. But for most people, most of the time, most things on their own are not single-handedly sufficient to change that person entirely. Therefore, a person may go on hunt and they may not actually be changed absolutely entirely in every sense. Just like we spent Ramadan, we were not changed absolutely entirely in every sense. So sometimes, while making those big intentions, and those are purely, simply keeping our hope in the obvious and certain limitless power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sometimes it's important to also be conscious of smaller intentions, and those are smaller intentions that we ourselves can actually do some follow-up and follow-through on the basis of our own efforts. I'm going to give a few examples using Hajj so we understand this concept. Many times, for example number one, many times people make a dream intention, and especially they're not really, strictly speaking, they're not even outwardly pursuing this goal, but they make a dream intention that Allah SWT makes me an alim or alima, or that me ilm of deen. And yes, that is something we should all want. Every one of us, every believer should want and wish and hope and dream that they could understand in depth the entire meaning of Quran al-Kareem. And they could understand profoundly the entire sunnah and all the hadith of Sayyidina and his seerah and his life and his biography. And also understand the loom of sharia, that which pleases Allah and that which displeases him. And all of that is what is in reality true knowledge. However, 
many of us, most of us, may not actually attain all of that knowledge. So while making that bigger intention, we should have some small intention. For example, Allah Ta'ala, I hope and wish I can understand at least those surahs of Quran that I recite in Salah. At least I hope I can learn and understand and implement and practice those hadith that actually have the teachings in them that can guide me in my particular circumstances in life. Or those hadith that have the guidance of how to purify and cure the particular sins and mistakes that I have in my life and in my heart. That I can at least learn those aspects of Sita that I'm I'm struggling in life and falling into sin only because I'm ignorant of those teachings. So to start with some smaller intentions or to have those smaller intentions along with the big ones. But another aspect is that ilm doesn't necessarily mean becoming an alim in the formal classical sense. And when Sayyidina Rasulullah, he made dua. That Allah Ta'ala grant me ilm and nafir, grant me knowledge and benefits. So by that, the Prophet Sallallahu was not himself asking Allah Ta'ala for scholastic knowledge. In any case, he was Sahib al-Wahi. He was the Nabi, the Prophet and Messenger of Allah Ta'ala. What did he mean when he was asking Allah Ta'ala? Ilm, ilm and nafir, knowledge that benefits. It means that knowledge that is abided by, knowledge that is lived by, knowledge that is practiced. It also means fahim. In Arabic we call it fahim. In Urdu it's called samaj. In English it means let me have a sound understanding of being. It means let my personality be according to being. Let my taba, my tabiya, my temperament be according to being. Let my outlook be according to being. Let me understand being in such a way that my whole life is shaped and governed by that understanding. That's real ill. So sometimes in Urdu we explain it to people that some people have ilm but they don't have samaj. Some, in Arabic some people have ilm, they don't have fam. In English some people have formal learning and scholastic knowledge of being but they don't have a broad understanding of the overall outlook and temperament of being. So that is something that we should want. Second example is that many times we make du'a to Allah found that we want to do all types of amal. So we make du'a, Ya Allah, make me regular hundred. let me read one juz of Qur'an a day, let me make so much zikr so many thousand times, so many hundred times of this, etc., etc. So all of that are things we should aspire to, and all of that is things we should aim for. And those are called a'mal, a'mal al-salif. And there's so much mention of that in the Quran and Sunnah. Again, sometimes along with making the grand intentions, you should make some small intention, hmm? some particular amal that is within reach, some particular amal that we feel we are actually able to do that amal, and it's only our laziness that is stopping us. So for example, Allah SWT, let me make the dua after adhan five times a day. It's a particular small juziyat and micro level. So the example we gave, the first example was an ilm. So we may certainly make the niyyah, intention, desire, hope, dua, prayer to Allah Ta'ala. So that's entire ilm. 
Second, we should also make niya, intention, and dua, prayer, supplication to Allah Ta'ala about particular sepulchres, juziyat, micro-ill. And third, also, we should make dua for the general concept, right, to get a sound understanding of being. So in the second example of amal, the first, yes, we should make dua for all amal, all amal of Salah. I want to seek from you to do every single amal of Salah, every righteous act, good deed, virtuous behavior. Then we should secondly pick some micro amal, and those are the ones that are within reach, that we could be doing and we should be doing and we would be doing if it wasn't just for our laziness. So one example of this is, you know, one way we have explained in the past in other settings, in other situate gatherings, is to have zikri kafir, to remember Allah Ta'ala a lot, and to keep remembering Allah Ta'ala so much, such that His remembrance becomes your attribute. Now, that's the big dot to make when it comes to zikr, right? This is called dalama zikr. Ya Allah, give me kafir to always remember you. Then there's some micro-amal, micro-amal, Allah Ta'ala said, let me do this sikr, give me tafik to this sikr, I make it intention to make this sikr, I want to change by doing this sikr. And another way to get zikr kafir is as follows, because this is the most micro one, the one that is most within our reach, that whenever one has bits of time, small bits and pieces of time, to make small bits of zikr. This is one of the things that believers used to do. This is what Allah SWT is calling us to do. That when you are finally, fully, and completely free, or when you are slightly, temporarily free, and you have a bit of time in your hands, and turn to your Rabb in longing and yearning. So maybe some of us aren't strong enough yet if you have a lot of time, we do a lot of zikr. Maybe we have two hours, three time, we spend all two hours in ibadah. Many of us won't be that strong yet. But certainly, all of us should be strong enough that if we have small bits of time, we should be able to make small bits of zikr. And zikr kathir can be reached, abundant zikr, abundant remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, can be reached bit by bit, piece by piece, one bit at a time. All right? So that's an example of small amal. And the third aspect is generally amal. Amal means what? Now, amal is different from amal, the way I'm explaining it tonight. Amal is not, I'm not using it today to refer to any particular act or action. Rather, I'm using it to refer a life of practice. So amal means a life that is practically lived on deen. Amal, in this sense, means a lifestyle of deen, a life on, of deen. All right? So that means overall, my schedule, my timetable, my eating, my sleeping, my interacting, my thoughts, my actions, my feelings are according to thee. My life is an amal of thee. Just like we gave the example in the first instance of Ilm al-Sahim, to have a broad understanding of thee. So here in the realm of practice, amal means to live the thee. And you'll be amazed. Now I'll go back to the first two examples. There are some people who have formal scholastic learning, ilm, 
of deen. But they don't have fahm, they don't have samad, they don't have sound understanding of deen. There are some people who make a lot of amal. When they actually pray to hajjah even. They might make umrah every year. They might recite surah every Friday. But overall speaking, their life is on an amal of deen. They're not living a life on deen. Hmm? So we should be very wary of that because that's also one of the signs of the end and one aspect of fitna. That a person has ilm but they don't have tafakro or fahim or sound understanding of deen. A person has a'mal, particular actions and acts, but their life is not one of amal on deen. They're not living a life in which they're firmly established and they're not practicing deen. So whether it's a person who's going on hajj or for those of us who remain behind, these are the type of things that we should be focusing on. These are the things in Japan's life. True understanding of being and a lived practice of that overall understanding and temperament of being. Sikh, Tafakko, Sahim, understanding and Amal, a lived life practice. Now, in Allah and our being, as I'm sure almost all the listeners would know, that Allah's Father placed a special barakah in these first 10 days of the Hijjah. And in fact, some ulama took the position that these first 10 days of the Hijjah have as much barakah in them as the last 10 nights of Ramadan, with the exception of obviously Lail Zuqabah. But then some ulama said that for those who are hujjaj and who are there at Arafah, on Yom Al-Arafah, then Yom Al-Arafah is as good or potentially even more than Lail Zuqabah. But these are indeed very special 10 days and nights as well. And so even for those of us who are not going for Hajj, we should view these days and nights as a tremendous opportunity. We should try to do maximum ibadah. Women could even do some short itikaf in their home. Men can even try to spend more time in worship or in the path of Allah Ta'ala or some intensive learning of deen. And those who cannot take time away from whatever full-time duties of motherhood or full-time occupations or professions that the men may have, they should still try that on the weekends and on the evenings, because this weekend coming up is going to be Zohidjah, and actually next Friday, Saturday at least, depending where a person lives, will also be within the 10 days and nights of Zohidjah, so we should try to maximize our ibadah our acts of worship and du'as and supplications to Allah in these 10 days and nights. And this is not just a thought sunnah, but a practice sunnah. And I think it's one of the most uh, special things in our game that these first 10 days of Zulhijjah come basically just exactly two months after the end of Ramadan. Because for a lot of people, after one month of Ramadan, two months pass, then almost all the effects of that Ramadan are worn away. And then again, they get these 10 days of Zulhijjah. Hmm? 10 days and nights, both of Zulhijjah. So we should make a lot of effort. And this is really the last major, major special days and months. Otherwise, then next it will be once again a special time in the month of Ramadan itself. I've observed also generally 
that a lot of people take this very lightly. And most Muslims, you know, they don't have any extra ihtimami. They don't have any extra care or due diligence in how they spend these 10 days and nights in Malaysia. And really, like I said again, we should try, although I know it may not be possible for many of us, but we should try to spend it even better than we spent the last 10 days and nights of Ramadan. Now, for the people who are going on Hajj, inshallah, or those of us who may have relatives and friends with whom we may obviously still have time to share some advices for them. But again, these same advices really can benefit all of us who are staying behind. And that is in Allah SWT in Quran Karim, He mentions three things that He does not want a person to do when they are in a state of ihram and they are a haji and they have gone for hajj and they are in the sacred days of hajj and the sacred places. And those three things in Arabic is called rafat, fusuk, and jidal. What does this mean? Rafas means any lewd, crude, unlawful, impermissible, romantic, emotional, physical, lustful, feeling, desire, dream, desire, aspiration, fantasy, for their mehran. That's the beginning. And then it can go all the way to any immodest act or shameless act or sinful act or action for their mehran. And this is actually the first thing. Allah SWT is mentioned in Quran al-Karim. Obviously for the person going on Hajj, it's always been understood by the ulama and that Hajj ultimately, while no doubt Hajj is a journey of Allah Ta'ala's hidayah and guidance, Hajj is a journey of Allah Ta'ala's rahmah and mercy, Hajj is a journey where a person gets Allah SWT's mughra of forgiveness, but ultimately Hajj is a journey of love and ishq and muhabba. In order to truly fall in love with Allah SWT, one has to fall out of love with all the unlawful, impermissible love. Right? Now, uh, one mistake some people make is that they don't look at the fact that that love is impermissible for them now. They focus on maybe that love was permissible for them in the past or that love might be permissible for them in the future. So let me now give an example. It's a ruling of our deen, of our sharia, that a man may not marry two sisters at the same time. What? Now, a person might think, well, in the future there may come a day that maybe my wife passes away and then I could marry her sister. Or in the past there was a time when I wasn't married to my wife and I could then have married her sister. So somebody tries to use either such argument of the past or the future they would say, no, that's ridiculous. It's absurd. You should, that does not legitimate you having any romantic or lustful fantasies or desires, let alone interactions and actions. Second example, if there's a woman who is not in your nikah, or it can go for a woman also, if there's a man who's not in your nikah, he could be in your nikah in the future. Maybe in the past you could have had nikah with him. It's irrelevant. What may happen in the future, what could have happened in the past, is absolutely irrelevant. It's about the present. And therefore, it is not permissible to have any such feelings, let alone actions and interactions with that person. So all of this is called 
Rafat. So obviously this was first and foremost for the person going on Hajj. Because really to get that deep connection with the Creator, you have to sever yourself from every unlawful, impermissible connection with creation. But that rule doesn't apply only to the Haji. That rule also applies that rule also applies to those who are staying back. In other words, that rule applies to all believers. Second, on the thoughts I mentioned on Quran, there should not be any open disobedience. Now, there's many different ways, the ulama of Arabic language, and then the ulama of Deen would comment or explain this word, fisk or fuzuk. Fisk and fuzuk, it comes in Quran Karim. One meaning is open sinner. One meaning is unrepentant sinner, shameless sinner, unabashed sinner. One meaning is sin without hesitation. One meaning is the person of a major sin, right? And any of all these things can be there. So obviously, one aspect of Allah's of mercy is that a person going on hard, they want to protect Allah, they may still do some minor sins maybe on that Hajj journey itself, or maybe after that journey. Or there may be certain minor aspects of them that may remain. But if, as long as they don't do the major sin, they will be successful in that Hajj. That's one meaning. If you go back to the other meaning about open sin, so they may do some small secret sin, they may do some small private sin. And no doubt, again, all of us should want and aspire to be absolutely sin-free. But the overwhelming majority of us, while always, every second, making that niyyah, making that effort, trying and struggling, many of us may not reach that goal of becoming 100% sin-free. All right? Uh, and even if somebody does, they will never know that, because nobody can ever view themselves or declare themselves. And in fact, indeed, nobody should even view another or declare someone else to have become sin-free. To be certainly sin-free and to be known as such, that is the unique, exclusive domain of the Anbiya and the Sameen, and that is how they are masum, they have isma, they are pure, immaculate, chaste, free of sin. Right? But again, staying away from major sin, open sin, repeated sin, addictive sin, it's not a condition just for the person going on Hajj, it's also a condition shut, prerequisite, to getting the love and the loveliness of Allah SWT, it's also a prerequisite for those of us who are staying behind. Samo Rasas and no Fusuk. Right? And this is the first mm, place where a person makes Doba. It's repent of the major sin, the open sin. Now, there are some major sins that we do internally that may not be open. There may be some major sins that we do privately that might not be public. There may be some major sins we think about, even though we don't do it practically. That could also fall under the realm of fisk and fusuk. Because ultimately, whether it's a haji or whether it's an ordinary believer, and even the haji when they return, we must purify our heart and our mind of the desires and temptations and thoughts and wishes for any and all sins. There's another major teaching. Now, while I'm mentioning these things, as even for those of us who stay back, these 10 days of Zulhijjah, because of their nisbah, their thought look, their affinity, their relation, their connection with that part of the act 
that act as the major chemical heart itself. So therefore, those things that Allah SWT mentioned that should be worked on for the person going on Hajj, we should work on those same things in these 10 days. So we want to make Doba and stop and purge ourselves and purify ourselves from all nafas. And we should give up all certifications and rationalizations. And second, we should give up and make Doba and leave all for soup and leave all of the sinning openly or secretly, publicly or privately. And the third thing that Allah SWT mentioned in Quran for the Haji is that there should not be any didal. And didal means that there should not be argumentative disputation, belligerent behavior, hostile arguing. Right? Obviously, there is an element, a very strong element, mentioned repeatedly in Quran and the Sunnah, of al-amr bil-ma'ruf al-nahim al-munkah, that a person must enjoy the good and they must speak out against that which is wrong. Once, even then, a person should try to do so in a non-combative, non-confrontational, non-argumentative way, but rather to do so with ihsan, and with virtue, and nobility, and beauty, and excellence. So, sometimes, didal can be like that, that a person being belligerent and arguing over deen. Sometimes it refers to fights and quarreling between spouses, between family members, between parents and children. Sometimes it refers to envies and jealousies and competitive rivalries between fellow believers. In so many aspects. Now, this third thing is quite interesting because, I mean, other than maybe people trying to compete with one another for Hajjah Aswad or trying to compete with one another when going forth for Rami, there's pretty much, you know, most of this, a person who goes on Hajjah, they leave behind. They leave behind their family squabbles, their family problems, their family arguments. They leave behind their work disputes, their professional rivalries. Because this is the journey where you uproot yourself from your regular routine in life. And you go to another place, and you're busy in ibadah and worship, etc. But, so partly, yes, it does mean that no pushing in line and simple things like that. But it's also, also saying, make it mean, yeah that you leave all disputation, argumentation, hostile, combative behavior, all rivalries, all jealousies, all negative feelings, etc., etc., towards creation. You must leave all of it if you want to be a truly successful Haji. And we must also leave all of it if we want to be truly successful at Iran. And in fact, perhaps, and some, this may be the only one thing, that we may actually be able to work on better in these 10 days of Ninja because most of the person going on Hajj is so busy. They're traveling and the Mina and the Arafat and Mudalafa. Hmm? So we should make this effort to try to let go of our grudges and grievances, try to let go of our arrogance and our pride, try to soften some of our rigid stances and opinions, start to be try to be gentle and kind, or perhaps we have been sometimes stern or even harsh. All of this can be encompassed in the meaning that there should be no judah. Hmm? In fact, there's a whole set of attributes and character of Nabiya and Sunnah some that are mentioned here. So, obviously, for Suq, that's disobedience, that's again, Asun Allah, 
Rafa's the first is a particular type of disobedience between us and Allah SWT that also involves an inappropriateness and betrayal of someone else or some inappropriateness with another member of creation. And Gizal is all about creation. Is about our power relations with others. Is about our family relations with others. And that they should be non-competitive, non-competitive, non-combative, non-hostile, etc. And that also requires a lot of work. Interestingly, and that also keeps a person from having that deep connection with Allah Subhanahu It's also something we need to work on. And every Haji, when they come back, inshallah ta'ala, forgiven by Allah Subhanahu having drowned in Allah Subhanahu mercy, having gotten all the ajr and salab of Hajj, the ifar of nothing for them, even then, like I said at the very beginning, that there are very few people from one single amal can be so transformative. So Molotavi will have to keep working on these three things when they come back. And many of us have gone in Hajj in previous years, and we're still working on them, and it's been years since we made Hajj. So no Rafas, no Fusuk, no Jidav. These are very important lessons, and it's sometimes I feel, and Allah Alam, that Allah Ta'ala can, it can be the case, uh, and certainly Allah Subhanahu wa said in Hadith, Qudsi Allah that I will be with my servant in terms of I will treat my servant, I will relate and correspond, uh, I will inter- interrelate with my servant and slave as they, based on their estimation and their feelings about me. So it is some blessing that Allah Subhanahu has put in these 10 days and nights of Zulhijjah that a person has a better chance of leaving these three things, Fusuk, Rafas, Fusuk, and Jadal, has a better chance of being aware of them, has a better chance of being sensitized to them. And many times we become numb to these things. And it's amazing how some of us we have, maybe ourselves, we have this to numb our own selves, or other things around us have numbed us from these three things that others want us not like. Maybe it's normal in certain cultures and societies and contexts to do things that actually in our deen would constitute a rafa. Maybe it's acceptable in certain cultures and societies, and certainly that is the case, to do things that are impermissible in Islam. And maybe we have gotten so caught up in our negative feelings and hostility and envies for others that we've even forgotten, even though we are believers. And they're not in any way slavish to any other cultural context, societal context, any other creed or philosophy or way of life. We do believe and we know, and we know, we know Islam does not like envy, but we're so stuck in it, we can't take ourselves out. We can't stop feeling the negative feelings. Even though, again, so our knowledge is there, but we're not able to have an understanding that leads to a life lived of practice. So these are all things to work on in these 10 days of Zulhijjah. And obviously these are all things that we have to work on, all of us for the rest of our life until we pass away. But these 10 days are an opportunity. So I would say we should try to target these three things. And going back to what we mentioned in the beginning, we should make a lot of big niya and small niya for a lot of ilm and particular aspects of ilm. We should also make niyat and dua 
of repentance, a sound, deep understanding of deen itself. And we should make a big intention and a lot of du'a that Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to make huge amal, regular amal. We should also make niya intention, make du'a that Allah Ta'ala grant us tawfiq to make particular individual, maybe small amal. But we should also have a firm intention and spend a lot of effort on overall becoming on a life of amal, a life that is lived on a lifestyle of deen, temperament of deen, personality of deen, practice on deen. We make dua that Allah subhanahu grant every foes and salah, every success and felicity and triumph and joy and happiness to all of those who are going for hajj. And may you grant us those to spend these 10 days and nights in the hijjah in the manner that is pleasing to him, in the manner that is beloved to him, such that we too become his sincere servants and slaves. Wa'akhir of that and then alhamdulillah,